Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. What's the secret of the good life in Christ, particularly when we know that God doesn't promise us a life here that is totally free of pain and suffering and difficulty? What's the secret? My friends, I don't think it's a secret at all. God cares about the details of our lives. Most of all, he cares about our character. Because as I think we're going to hear in more than one part of the Bible today, seeking God's approval versus man's approval is the secret to walking with integrity before both. And happy Monday to each and every one of you, and welcome to today's little bit of our journey through the Bible in a year, uh, which we do Monday through Saturday, reading through every word of God's revelation of himself and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. Uh, Many new believers, let's pick up where we left off. Many new believers in the first century, believe it or not, were slaves, and we heard about that right at the very beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 6, and while most slavery in the Bible isn't like the chattel slavery we think of from history in the United States, it is still surprising to hear in the Bible, uh, like we did when we left off, a reversal from Paul as he gives slaves strong words about how to treat their masters. That's just crazy to us here a whole bunch of years later. And that's how we get to something like This idea that seeking God's approval and not man's approval is the secret to walking with integrity before both. So, as we close out 1 Timothy chapter 6, remember, Paul's exhorting a young pastor about what to do, and it applies to you and me too. 1 Timothy 6, picking up in verse 3. Teach and encourage these things. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy and quarreling and slander, evil suspicions and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that Godliness is a way to material gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all, and of Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, 
I charge you, you, to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time because he is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some people have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. And my friends, that wraps up the book of Timothy. And I trust that you see, <laughs> I hope that you see uh, clearly that our opportunity uh to experience the good life isn't just a function of being a pastor like Timothy was. Um, Paul here again just discusses these important issues of false teachers and people who love controversies and endless arguments. And there is a time and a way to go deep on theology or even philosophy and things like that. Even dealing with how do we how are we good stewards? And some of you have the gift of making money. That's, that's awesome. But the question ultimately is how to be content and how to avoid the love of money trap and what to pursue instead of money or philosophy or ideas. Because Paul's closing argument is about faithfulness and keeping the truth and how that should be uh, you know, part of our hearts and homes. Seeking God's approval versus man's approval is the secret to walking with integrity before both. So turning to our Old Testament segment, um, we're in this place where, remember there was a big long set of instructions about what the temple was or the tabernacle was supposed to be like. And now it's getting built according to those same instructions. But one of the things I want you to listen to is how God repeatedly uses the word command. Each aspect of making this tabernacle is mentioned in detail because all of those details are important to God and they should be important to us. But if we expect God to be concerned about the details of our lives, we should probably pay attention to the details of his instructions. Now, obviously, we're not building a tabernacle, but I trust that this will touch down. We pick up in Exodus 37 at verse 25, uh, making the altar of incense. He made the altar of incense out of acacia wood. It was square, 18 inches long and 18 inches wide, and it was 36 inches high. Its horns were of one piece with it. He overlaid it, its top, all around its sides, and its horns with pure gold. And then he made a gold molding all around it, and he made two gold rings under it, under the molding on two of its sides, and he put these on opposite sides of it to be holders for the poles to carry it with. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with pure gold. He also made the holy anointing oil, 
and the pure, fragrant, and expertly blended incense. Next section, making the altar of burnt offering. Bezalel constructed the altar of burnt offering from acacia wood. It was square, seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high. He made horns for it on its four corners. The horns were of one piece with it, and then he overlaid it with bronze. He made all the altar's utensils, the pots, shovels, basins, meat forks, and firing fire pans, and he made all the utensils of bronze. He constructed for the altar a grate of bronze mesh under its ledge, halfway up from the bottom. He cast four rings at the four corners of the bronze gates as holders for the poles. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. And then he inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar in order to carry it with them. And he constructed the altar with boards so that it was hollow. All right, pause. Uh, This next little section is one line, but just listen to this. He made the bronze basin and its stand from the bronze mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. I always just love that because that's one little section about the bronze basin. But if you were one of the women who brought your bronze mirror, not only was that a personal sacrifice, but you knew exactly what your contribution, how that was part of this bigger picture. I just loved that. All right, continuing, making the courtyard. Then he made the courtyard. The hangings on the south side of the courtyard were finely spun linen, 150 feet long, including their 20 posts and their 20 bronze bases with silver hooks and silver bands for the posts. The hangings on the north side were also 150 feet long, including their 20 posts and 20 bronze bases. The hooks and the bands of the posts were silver. The hangings of the west side were 75 feet long, including their 10 posts and their 10 bases with silver hooks and silver bands for the posts. And for the east side, toward the sunrise, 75 feet long, the hangings on one side of the gate were 22 and a half feet, including their three posts and their three bases. It was the same for the other side of the courtyard gate. The hangings were 22 and a half feet, including their three posts and their three bases. And the hangings around the courtyard were of finely spun linen. The three posts were bronze. The hooks and the bands of the posts were silver, and the plating for the tops of the posts were silver. All the posts of the courtyard were banded with silver. The screen for the gate of the courtyard was made of finely spun linen, expertly embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. It was 30 feet long, and like the hangings of the courtyard, seven and a half feet high, it had four posts with their four bronze bases, and their hooks were silver, and their top plating and their bands were silver. All the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the surrounding courtyard were bronze. Next section inventory of the materials. This is the inventory of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony that was recorded at Moses' command. It was the work of the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, made everything that the Lord commanded Moses. With him was Oholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, a gem cutter, a designer, and an embroiderer with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen. All of the gold of the presentation offering that was used for the project and all the work of the sanctuary was 2,193 pounds, according to the sanctuary shackle. Pause, my friends. That's a ton of gold. Just saying, right? The silver from those of the community who were registered was 7,544 pounds, according to the sanctuary shekel, one-fifth of an ounce per man. That is, half a shekel, according to the sanctuary shekel, from everyone 20 years old or more who had crossed over to the registered group, 603 
8,550 men. And there were 7,500 pounds of silver used to cast the bases of the sanctuary and the bases of the curtain, 100 bases from 7,500 pounds, 75 pounds for each base. And with the remaining 44 pounds, he made the hooks for the posts, overlaid the tops, and supplied bands for them. The bronze of the presentation offering totaled 5,310 pounds. He made with it the bronze altar and bronze gate, all the utensils for the altar, the bases for the surrounding courtyard, the bases for the gate of the courtyard, all the tent pegs for the tabernacle, and all the tent pegs for the surrounding courtyard. Next section, making the priestly garments. They made specially woven garments for ministry in the sanctuary and the holy garments for Aaron from the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Bezalel made the ephod of blue, of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen. And they hammered out thin sheets of gold, and he cut threads from them to interweave with the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and the fine linen in a skillful design. They made shoulder pieces for attaching it. It was joined together at its two edges, and the artist's artistically woven waistband that was on the ephod was of one piece with the ephod, according to the same workmanship of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Notice that phrase, my friends. This is, this is just a beautiful, I think, example of saying, hey, here's what happens when people respond to what God has done, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then they mounted the onyx stones, surrounded with gold filigree settings, engraved with the names of Israel's sons as a gem cutter engraves a seal, and he fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the Israelites, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He also made the embroidered breastpiece, with the same workmanship as the ephod of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen. They made the breastpiece square and folded double, nine inches long and nine inches wide, and they mounted four rows of gemstones on it. The first row was a row of carnelian, topaz, and emerald. The second, turquoise, lapis lazuli, and diamond. Third, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. Fourth, beryl, onyx, and jasper. And they were surrounded with gold filigree in their settings. The 12 stones, here we go. The 12 stones corresponded to the names of Israel's sons. Each stone was engraved like a seal with one of the names of the 12 tribes. Now, before I continue, my friends, what, what, it, what was the purpose of that? The high priest or the, whoever the serving priest was wearing this ephod would have the names literally and figuratively on their chest, right? They bear the weight of the spiritual condition of the people. Now, as a kingdom of priests, we should have that level of gravitas for ourselves and for our families and for those we serve. But we should also look to our pastor and elders and realize that they bear great responsibility for your heart and soul. Continuing. They made braided chains of pure gold cord from the breastpiece. They also fashioned two gold filigree settings and two gold rings and attached the two rings to its two corners. Then they attached the two gold cords to the two gold rings on the corners of the breastpiece. They attached the other 
ends of the two cords to the two filigree settings, and in this way they attached them to the ephod's shoulder pieces in front. And they made two other gold rings and put them at the other two corners of the breast piece on the edge that is next to the inner border of the ephod. They made two more gold rings and attached them to the bottom of the ephod's two shoulder pieces on its front, close to its seam, above the ephod's woven waistband. And then they tied the breast piece from its rings to the rings of the ephod with a cord of blue yarn so that the breast piece was above the ephod's waistband and did not come loose from the ephod. They did this just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 39, verse 21. And tomorrow we'll be finishing up the, uh, the book of Exodus. But remember this. I mean, if God cares about the details of our lives, he cares even more about our character. And although this psalm, our closing wisdom segment, is in the form of a, a negative confession, uh, which is kind of a way of looking at uh, the nature of how words unfold when we when we say something. Uh, remember this. It's not a prideful boast on the psalmist's part. Rather, it teaches that the kind of life one must follow uh, to be part of God's assembly includes how we how we uh, respond to God. Psalm 26 is home of David. Here we go. Vindicate me, Lord, because I have lived with integrity and have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. For your faithful love guides me, and I live by your truth. I do not sit with the worthless or associate with hypocrites. I hate a crowd of evildoers, and I do not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, Lord, raising my voice in thanksgiving and telling about your wondrous works. Lord, I love the house where you dwell, the place where your glory resides. Do not destroy me along with sinners or my life along with the men of bloodshed, in whose hands are evil schemes and whose right hands are filled with bribes. But I live with integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. I will bless the Lord in the assemblies. Mm. I, you know, I'll just point out that none of that could happen in the context of what David was just singing there. If you don't go to church, you with me? What, you, what we just read there includes an element of showing up in God's assembly. Lord God, I just pray that your words would sink deeply in our hearts. Lord, if there's anything that I said that just doesn't jive with you, Lord, I pray that you'll just help people forget what I said and remember what you said. Most important, Lord, uh, I pray that we would be a people who seek your approval and walk integrity before fellow human beings because we walk with integrity before you. And we realize, Lord, that, that that can and only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit 
that we have because of what Jesus did on the cross. Lord, we receive. We receive from you this power and this desire and this transformation. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.